Welcome to Wholeness and Holiness Podcast. Here we will deepen your understanding of human and spiritual integration so you can live the life of peace and fulfillment God has for you. I'm your host, Margaret Vasquez. I hold a degree in theology and am a licensed professional clinical counselor and certified trauma therapist. Join me weekly for practical applications of the spiritual life. No part of this audio is to be used as mental health treatment or clinical advice. Please see a licensed mental health professional for personal consultation. Hi, and welcome to Wholeness and Holiness Podcast. I'm your host, Margaret Vasquez, and the topic for today's podcast is friends in high places. So what we're going to be talking about is actually the saints who have gone before us and who intercede for us regularly before the throne of God. And we know that they're our friends. We know that that they pray for us. That's a central um, belief of our faith as Catholic Christians, um, something that is honored regularly by asking for their intercession throughout the prayers of the Mass, by celebrating their, their feast days throughout the liturgical calendar of the church. And today, let's talk a little bit more specifically about them as our friends. So as we go through through this life, you know, this life's even been referred to like in the, um, in the Hail Holy Queen prayer, it's referred to as a valley of tears. And we know that sometimes there, um, sometimes it feels like that. Sometimes that is ex- exactly what life is a, a lot more like than, um, than the joy and bliss that, that we wish it was continually. And there's certainly times of that. And yet at the same time, there are times where um, we can feel very alone and we can feel very alone physically. Um, if we're not living close by friends, if we're, um, you know, people are in all kind of painful situations throughout life. Sometimes loved ones have passed away. Uh, sometimes there's there's divorce or there's division in the family. And it can feel like we're, we're even very physically alone. Sometimes we can even be surrounded physically by, by people and yet at the same time feel like no one understands us. So <clears throat> sometimes those times feel even more isolating because it feels like someone's right there and so close and yet so far. They, it seems like they should be able to understand us, but at the same time, for whatever reason, they just can't. It can't be there for us emotionally, or they can't even kind of really grasp what it is that we're going through. And, and that's really true. Those, both of those things that we can feel physically alone, we can even be physically alone or feel emotionally alone, or sometimes spiritually alone. Sometimes, um, we have friends who are around us who really care about us. And yet at the same time, they're not really in the same place or coming from the same uh, kind of perspective that we are spiritually. And that too can feel very alone, very isolating, very painful because as we often talk about on this podcast, what we're really made for is connection, right? And so any of those aspects of feeling alone can be can be quite difficult. They can be painful. Um, 
can leave us feeling sad, um, even a sense of grief. And, um, and that's something of course, that, um, that challenges all of us. And yet at the same time, um, it's still, still painful when it happens. And it's something that certainly the Lord understands and we can always turn to him in those times and, and receive his compassion. And yet so, so wonderfully does he understand how we're made that he knows that we actually need other human beings who were only human and not human and divine like our Lord was. And we need to know that people who were challenged in the same kind of ways endured the same types of things and, and really understand us. And no matter where it is um, that we feel alone in our life, whether it's physically, emotionally, or spiritually, we know that the ultimate truth is that there are saints from all walks of life. It's such a, such a beautiful thing that we can have. So whether somebody's in religious life, whether somebody's a, a priest, whether somebody's um, in married life or somebody's single, there are saints from all different walks of life, from all different parts of the world. There are saints of all different ages. There are saints who are little kids, um, Saint Imelda or Saint Agnes, who was a virgin martyr, or Saint Maria Goretti, all very young people who became saints, who were, ended up be, being canonized. Um, even re, most recently, Carlo Acutis, um, I think 15 or 16 years old, um, and saint for our times. They're saints of all different times and throughout history and for all different ages. There are saints who are bishops. There are saints who are single people. There are saints who are lay people. There are saints who, who are religious and priests. So saints even who are married um, readily come to mind. Um, Louis and Zelie Martin, St. Therese um, of Lisieux, her parents. And so there are saints from all different walks of life. And also so beautifully, saints who are challenged in all different ways whatever different types of sufferings we might endure, we can look to the lives of the saints and really see that we're not alone. This has been done before. There've been people who've been challenged in the same type of ways that we are and have not just gone through the pain and the suffering, but have grown through the pain and the suffering. And um, they've responded to the grace that the Lord offered them at their time to, to embrace the suffering that they were challenged by and to be transformed by it, to, um, to live even greater lives, even, um, that actually the sufferings became means, um, to holiness as they responded to the grace that the Lord was offering to them. So what does any of that have to do with us? is that that same grace that was offered to them, the same omnipotent God who can use any circumstances to transform us, any circumstances can become a gift through his transforming power as we respond to the grace that he offers us. And that same God, that same grace that, the God, that God offers 
and offered to the saints of old, he offers to us. So there's a particular way of looking at this that I want to share with you. Um, that's really become very poignant for me. And I found it to, to really touch the hearts of others that I've, that I've shared this concept with. This is not an original idea. This was actually shared with me by a friend of mine, um, Marilla Tobin, it was a couple of years ago, and we were sitting in a coffee shop, and um, I think it was close to the Feast of the Presentation, and I was talking about Simeon. We hear about Simeon in the present, the Feast of the Presentation, and Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple to, to dedicate him to, to the Lord, to offer him back to God, and um, it's just such a beautiful time of him being presented and being consecrated, set aside for, for his father's purpose, and um, I'm always struck by the example of Simeon, okay, so I was sharing with, uh, sharing about that with this friend, and saying, like, man, what a guy, because here's, here's, you know, he, he works in the temple, he lives in the temple, he prays, he's a, He's a, a holy man and babies are being brought in and presented to the Lord on a regular basis. That was a part of their tradition. How many babies a day did he see be brought in, you know, and yet as scripture says, when Jesus was brought in, he knew that he knew that he knew that that was the Messiah and God had made a promise to him that he wouldn't die until he saw the Messiah he laid eyes on Jesus as a tiny little baby, just a baby among babies. It's not like he had a flashing neon sign that said, I'm the Messiah. He saw Jesus and, and he said, Lord, now you let your servant go in peace. Your word has been fulfilled. So in other words, he was saying, I can die happy because you've answered your promise. And I know that that's the Messiah. And then he had the courage to go up to, to Mary, to a new mom and um, and speak words to her that would have been, would have taken a lot of courage to speak, right? He told her that her, that a sword was going to pierce her heart because her new baby, who she was so excited to bring to the temple to consecrate to the Lord, um, he was going to be a sign of contradiction and he was going to be opposed by a lot of people. And he was, he was going to suffer many things. And because of that, she was going to suffer many things. And at the same time as that must have been very difficult for Mary to hear, you can only imagine that as those things started to unfold, just the validation of Simeon's words must have been very dear to her. That must have, must have meant a lot to her and must have in some sort of way been a consolation to her heart. And so I was sharing about this, about how amazing I think Simeon is and how in tune he was with the Holy Spirit to see a baby come in and go, that's the Messiah, that just how in touch with the Holy Spirit, that's the predominant way that Simeon just really strikes my heart. And then on top of that, his courage to speak a word to Mary that, um, that would have required, required a lot of courage for him to step out and to share that word at that particular time. And yet how important it must have been to her later on when he was being opposed and, and even throughout his passion. And so I was sharing that with my friend. And you know what she said? I was really struck by this. She said, wow, Simeon must really have a strong devotion to you. 
And I was taken back by that because that's not the language we usually use when we talk about devotion to the saints. We usually talk about our devotion to them. And so I challenged her on that. I said, he must be devoted to me. I'm talking about, I have a devotion to him. And she said, oh no, that's not the way she sees it. She, she believes that almost, you know, seeing us be created and understanding how the Lord is forming each one of us as they're in heaven and, and, and seeing the lives, the paths that lay out before us, the ways we're going to be challenged that she imagines that much more like, because they're in heaven, they're, they're more like Jesus and, and more like God, because his, um, it's his initiation, it's his initiative. Love is always his initiative, right? And so since they're in heaven, they're much more along those lines. And so as they see what lays out before us and how we'll be challenged, they say, that one's mine. I've got that one. I'm going to go pray for that one. I'm going to going to have a special intercession. We'll have a special friendship for that one. I'm going to be really faithful to that one through their life by my intercession to them, because that one really strikes my heart. You know, it's kind of like, you know, imagine somebody going through something that you went through at a younger time in your life. And, um, you know, it's, it's very endearing to you and, and it can make us really want to be helpful to that person in a way that we wish we had had help and, or maybe even in a way that we did have help and that we're really grateful for. And so that's it. Her, what, what she was sharing with me was that that's how she imagines the saints are, that they're very devoted to us because they see how much we'll need these particular gifts that they were graced with and they were blessed with and and that um because of their devotion to us our hearts are uh, are made sensitive to them it's kind of like when when somebody really cares about you can't help not care about them we might not understand in a cognitive conscious way that they really care about us but for some reason some of them just become very dear to us and I just thought that who knows if that's actually the way it is. It sounds very possible though, because being in heaven, it makes sense that that love, that loving response would be a natural thing for them, that they would see us and be endeared to us and and be drawn to us to intercede for us, especially already having run the race and fought the good fight themselves and seeing what we're going through, that they would be drawn to us, of course living in far greater state of charity and compassion and helpfulness than, than we're usually able to muster up. And so I really, really appreciated what she shared with me about that. And, you know, I've, I thought, think about that often and it really touches my heart. It keeps me from feeling like, oh, I hope this saint realizes how much I really think they're awesome or how much I really hope this saint or that saint is praying for me instead I'm able to understand that they under or able to remind myself through my friend's words that they really get it so much more and it's it's really their initiative that draws us to seek their intercession and as I've shared that with other people I've seen um, in their eyes their mind kind of being blown the same way mine was you know so if what in whatever way you're feeling, you might be feeling alone or um, or challenged and really needing a friend in in a high place to put in a good word for you to inter help intercede. 
before the Lord for you and who you know, you just have a big brother, big sister, or hero who's watching out for you. I just really, um, you know, suggest looking at it like whoever that saint is, considering their devotion to you and really kind of taking consolation in that and resting in that and letting that be an encouragement to your heart. And I hope that blesses you the same way my friend's words blessed me. May the Lord give you peace. And if you're looking for parish healing missions, human and spiritual integration workshops, um, if you're looking for trauma therapy, reach out at sacredhearthealingministries.com. Be happy to chat with you. May the Lord give you peace. Thank you for joining me for today's show. Please subscribe and share and check us out on wholenessandholiness.com. Follow and like us on social media. And to learn more about Sacred Heart Healing Ministries, please go to sacredhearthealingministries.com.